our biggest responsibility as leaders is developing our people and understanding those individuals and working closely with them is key. Well, welcome everybody to episode number 67 of the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andy Tempty. Today, we've got an old friend of mine, Ed Clark. He's joining us as our final guest in our mini-series on the importance of building the skill of business acumen in individuals and in teams. Ed is group president at Calibri Group and is responsible for Becker Professional Education, the United States' largest accountancy training organization. Thank you, Ed, for sharing your talents and insights with us today. Great to be here, Andy. Uh, Really looking forward to the conversation and uh, great to be here. Yeah, just in you know, in full disclosure, uh, Ed and I worked uh, together at Kaplan uh, previously, and I, I would I know a bit of your story, Ed. But uh, as we always do on the on the show, uh, can you let our listeners know your story? Yeah, certainly. I'll start from the very beginning. So, uh, born and raised in New Orleans. Um, came from a family of six. I was the youngest of five boys and one girl. Um, and my family had a family-run business. It was actually food uh, manufacturing, mostly indigenous to Louisiana. So got into the business world early ages. Remember going through uh, primary school and secondary school and um even post-secondary, joining uh, my family and working. My mother and father both worked there, as well as three of my brothers. Um, So really got to experience business very early in my career and really learned a lot from that and the work ethic they they had. Um, I was involved in tech, the executive committee. It's similar to YPO, um, but I was part of a local chapter here. Um, and had my own business, a picture framing business that I'd started when I went through college. And I met a gentleman there that owned a professional education training company, and he was in the maritime training business. Uh, He prepared Coast Guard candidates for their licensing exams and had a great formula to do it and was looking for somebody to start up financial services training. And I joined his organization. That company was called Examco. And we started preparing Series 6 and 63 candidates for their licensing exams. Back then, it was NASD uh, that regulated that. Now it's FINRA. And we started with the what is now today Primerica. At that time, was A.L. Williams. So very early on, shipping around uh, five and a quarter inch disc, then the three and a half, then to <laughs> CD-ROM, and then on to online training. Um And then continued uh, to stay in a professional education. As you said, we spent many years together at Kaplan. And uh, today I lead the accounting ecosystem at Calibri. Um, So been quite a great journey and um, grateful to have that experience and have my life partner, my wife, uh, Angela, and our three children, uh, now all young adults. Well, that's that's great, Ed. Uh, wow, that's a lot of brothers uh, t- 
to be uh, to be <laughs> dealing with uh, that, uh, fights in the backyard, lots of roughhousing. I I would imagine. Yeah, my sister was first, and then the five of us came after. And my mother always said, "I got my treat, then my treatment." <laughs> yeah. Well. So, Ed, uh, what, can you share, I always ask this question, uh, if you had to pick one event in your life that was just a real accelerant for your career, what would that be? Uh, I would say it was my first acquisition that I was part of. Like It was back in 1998. I had been a couple of years with Examco and, you know, we were doing well. We had added a, we had the maritime training business and now financial services up and running and just added a nursing business. And we identified a target on the West Coast, Merit Publishing. And um, I was given the opportunity to be the lead on that and do the due diligence and take it all the way through closure and then spend a tremendous amount of time in California really immersing myself into the business, understanding it and um, integrating it into the company. Um, so it was our venture into insurance licensing and continuing education. Uh, just really a great experience. I can't thank um, Brand Houston enough for giving me that opportunity. You know, I was um, much younger at the time, obviously. <laughs> um, but, you know, Obviously, I'd given him enough confidence in me to take a shot and uh, really worked out well. But I, I think that's what gave me the confidence to keep going in my career, excelling in it and um, just, you know, really embracing professional education and helping people advance their careers and improve their way of life. That's 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 wonderful. Uh, so let's get into the topic at hand. Uh, the topic is business acumen. When, when you hear this phrase, what does it mean to you? Uh, I would say business acumen to me is understanding how the business functions and the key factors that drive its success. Um, you know, when I think about business acumen, I think it's a, a combination of knowledge and skills and as I just mentioned in my story about merit publishing, it's about immersing yourself into the business, whether that's listening to a student call in, a client conversation, um, experiencing a delivery from, from the company, but really immersing yourself in the business to understand how it works. And in order to do that, the, in that immersion, you identify the strengths of the organization and the opportunities where you can make a difference. Yeah, Ed, that's a fantastic definition. Uh, and I, I, I love that, uh, you know, you, you alluded to a SWOT analysis there uh, at, at the end. And I, <laughs> I don't think uh, SWOT analyses uh, get quite the attention uh, that they deserve. Uh, you know, we, we used to use them uh, quite, quite a bit. So I would encourage our, our, yeah. our, our listeners to go back and think about, uh, you know, uh, sharing their, their SWOT analysis with their teams. So in, in your assessment, uh, 
So, we're, you know, we're both educators and, uh, you know, business acumen is really, really important uh, to the success of any business and the success of an individual within it. But if we dial the clock back, what needs to change in primary and secondary education to improve business literacy, which is the precursor of business acumen? I would say the number one thing is real world experience. Now, how do you do that in primary? Uh, to me, I think it's people relation skills, you know, that our children are able to, you know, work with each other in team environments, communicate, you know, um, really work well together as they transitioned into secondary, you know, to, to really get a, a real world experience. I think in my background, it was one of the things that I had the advantage of, of having a family that had a business, not that I was there full time. I ended up doing um, something else in my career, but I had the opportunity as in primary school and high school to go there during the summers or whether we had a holiday and the business was operating, but really to see how a production line worked and deliveries were made and customers paid and how those payments got recorded. Just, you know, really a big part of my learning and how we can make that part of the institution of education is key. I, I just really think that is, I've seen in my career that students um, come into organizations or have just completed college and have done fantastic and they enter into the workspace and don't even know where to begin. And probably that right. biggest gap is working with their peers, working with their leaders. Um, and a key part of that is just building those people relation skills. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally agree uh, that you know, the experiential nature of the world of business and getting that instilled uh, in, 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 in our in our children, uh, instead of, uh, or along alongside preparing for further educational adventures, uh, and investment in their life. But I think the pendulum has swung, uh, too far in terms of college prep and, uh, and passing tests and, and, and making sure that, uh, the academic chops are there. Uh, we need to, we need to be doubling down on the, uh, on the experiential real, real world uh, business chops in in our students, uh, so l let's now move on to post secondary school. And uh, I like to run these thought experiments. Uh, imagine you have a technical college or university chancellor right in front of you right now. What advice would you give to them to set their graduates up for success in the workplace as it relates to business acumen? I'm going to follow my same train of thought there. Like it is key that they have work experience. It we have to formalize that as part of the curriculum. Apprenticeship, the UK has done a very good job of including apprenticeship into technical education, but the combination of this technical education that we all need the foundation of and have to demonstrate proficiency in is key. And then combine with real work experience where you have to bring back that experience and articulate that 
um, back in an educational environment so that your fellow students are learning from that experience as well as you're able to demonstrate that you really grasp something in that real world experience. And then take it on to something you and I have been involved in for many years, but how do you get a certification while you're still in college? Now, not all certifications or advanced designations allow you to do that. Um, while you're still in college, you have to be a graduate or even a master's to obtain some of those. But there are many in all industries, I would venture to say, um, but certainly the majority where you can achieve some type of credential prior to entering into the workforce. Yeah, stackable. Uh, you know, you and I have called it uh, stackable modules that uh, that that you know that bolt on to uh, to a, to a university degree. But we really have to start thinking about how we weave those into uh, the flow of uh, of an educational experience. And have those industry recognized credentials that show that prove, uh, not beyond a shadow of a doubt, but give that signal of uh, of, of workplace competency. I think is uh, is is very important. Uh, Ed, we're we're going to take a really short break here to insert a commercial for uh, my book, Balancing Act, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andrew Tempty. In my book, Balancing Act, Teach, Coach, Mentor, Inspire, I explore the characteristics required of leaders who must find balance between strength and vulnerability, confidence and selflessness, passion and measure, and leadership and followership. Balancing Act is available today at Amazon.com. And we're back. So, we talk a lot on the show about alternative paths to workplace competency, skills, skills-based uh, hiring, and the reskilling revolution. Business acumen, much like emotional intelligence, relies on a portfolio of subskills. If you had to pick two subskills that are absolutely essential to improving business acumen, what would they be? I- I would go back to my um, primary education, and I I would say it's people relations. It has been a big part of of my career, and I think the piece that has um, taught me the most in business is understanding individuals, their types, how to communicate with them, um, and how to hold people accountable, develop them. Our biggest responsibility as leaders is developing our people and understanding those individuals and working closely with them is key. Second to that, I would put financial acumen, like understanding the impact of our daily activity and to a point of accountability. It is Really having that financial acumen is, you know, key to success. So understanding how that business works, our revenue, and then all the way down to our operating income. Um, But learning that early is key to success. So I'll boil it to those two points of people relationships and financial acumen. 
Well, thank you for the the plug for our previous mini series on financial acumen. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's 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 a great it's a great tie in, and I and I one hundred percent agree with you on uh, on the importance of those uh, those two sub skills. Uh, as a leader of a business within a larger private equity organization in education, you sit at the intersection of many functional areas. Uh, you've been chief operating officer before. What advice do you have for business leaders to build business acumen in their teams? Where do you start specifically? Empower them to solve problems. You know, it is... Um, back to my example of merit publishing, it was, you know, really empowering me to, you know, take the reins and solve problems. You know, it was an opportunity of how do we integrate, but it's, it's that immersion into the business and pushing your people to immerse themselves enough to identify back to your comment, Andy, on the SWAT, but our strengths and those opportunities for improvement, those internal internal components of every business. And, you know, certainly support them um, in their road to solving these problems, but truly empower them to solve a problem that makes a difference. Identify the measurable, measurable goals, track progress along the way, um, and measure the outcomes. And we measure those through whether it's a student success or financial performance. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very glad that you, uh, that, that you brought that up because a, a, a lot of managers, and I use that term very purposefully vis-a-vis leader, uh, they become firefighters. And, you know, I talk a lot about the accidental manager uh, who, uh, you know, takes over uh, for their teams when things don't, uh, don't go right. You, you talked about empowerment, uh, but if you're a manager who, uh, you know, thinks that the only way that it gets done right is if you do it, uh, you're, you're not doing your team members uh, really any, any favors. You have to let people uh, have to let your teams uh, fall, fall down every, every now and again. Uh, do you have anything else to add on that? Um, it is, I mean, the communication piece is key to it. So it's, it's allowing them to present their thoughts on their findings, what they've identified, laying out a plan and, you know, and <clears throat> in providing input to the progress. Um, the pieces I mentioned before about those measurable goals are key. So it's really letting the, those teams or individuals think through those outcomes and that they're meaningful. And then, you know, whether it's a coaching opportunity uh, there to make those really measurable would be the piece I would add to it. Yeah. So let's run another thought experiment. Uh, suppose you've got an individual contributor uh, or middle manager in front of you right now who's questioning why they should invest the energy to learn more about the, 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 how the business functions 
across across departments. How would you coach them to make that investment of themselves? I, you know, in, in my time, my career, my leadership, um, data has been a big part of it. You know, I've been drawn to data. I like to, you know, see measurable outcomes and metrics that that indicate success or drivers of success. I would um, mentor that individual and say engagement. Organizations that are engaged drive better results. And the way the, the reason for investing in yourself and the organization is to have a, a fulfilling career. And a fulfilling career is driven by organizations that are highly engaged um, so that they have a, a focus on what matters most, the, clear, the clarity around that, that message, and that it's cascaded throughout the organization. When everybody is clear on, on the what matters most message and it's effectively cascaded throughout the organization, your opportunity for engagement is much greater. Um, and I think that's a great reason to continue to invest in yourself and the organization is the outcome of an engaged organization. And it's fulfilling personally and professionally. Yeah, so we uh, there's been a lot of talk about this phrase, quiet quitting, uh, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been very vocal, <laughs> I've not been quiet about, uh, you know, it, it needs to be okay to just do your, to do your job as outlined in the job description. Uh, and it's, oh, it has to be okay to not be fully engaged, uh, by the definition that many of us use for quote unquote, uh, engagement, uh, you know, I, I, I like, I like what you're saying about, you know, bring, bringing folks, uh, you know, into the message of the organization, aligning with communication, but, uh, you know, you and I have talked about that movable middle, uh, of, of the organization, uh, w- w- you know, I'm, I'm just kind of poking at this question a little bit more. Uh, how, how do you take somebody uh, who's in that movable middle, who uh, is just is doing their job and really getting them excited about uh, about the organization and driving driving that engagement? It is, I would say, back to clarity. It is, you know, in. And and some individuals may select out, but are we bought into the vision together? Like, I am here because I want to change individuals' lives and help them advance their career and improve their way of life for themselves, society, the world. Um, And is that what, you know, is that what makes your heart beat? And is that something that, you know, is really core to your soul? And, and then select in or out. But first, our responsibility as leaders is to be clear about what that vision is. Create that clarity, um, communicate that, and then invest time in hiring, training, and retaining. It's, you know, back to my comment about our number one um, our number one responsibility is developing our future leaders. 
uh, creating the right succession plan. But to do that, you have to have individuals that have bought into the vision, believe it, it's true to their core, and they're they're engaged about it. Uh, thank, thank, thanks, Ed. Uh, I, lo- I loved how you said, you know, how your heart uh, aligns. Do, do, you know, does your does it, does your heart sing? And that that's about that alignment of the purpose of the business with uh, with, with your with your personal purpose. So, uh, thank thank you so much for that. Uh, final question: in In my forthcoming book, The Balanced Business, I talk a lot about the balancing act between organizational trust and accountability. As we close out today's episode, how does improved business acumen help improve accountability and ultimately improve organizational trust? Certainly the accountability comes from the pieces that we've talked about earlier, which are those core metrics that judge our success every day, whether those are daily metrics, weekly metrics, monthly metrics. Um, but that is where accountability comes from. And then creating a, a framework that is easy to access, uh, self-serving, where you know everyone on the team can start their day and pull up their dashboard of how we judge our success, success and hold ourselves accountable uh, is you know really key, those, those metrics there. And then back to my comment on clarity, you know, focused on what matters most um, and, you know, bringing that to the organization, to their individual teams um, and just reinforcing that clarity. Yeah, well, thanks for that, Ed. We're. Uh, we're we're very much aligned. Uh, we we worked well uh, well together uh, when 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 we were at Kaplan. I'm uh, I'd like to close out today with a personal thank you to you uh, for everything that you've done to to help uh, individuals all over the world achieve uh, achieve their goals. Uh, I'm very proud to have have uh, done that work with you. Uh, so so thanks for joining us today. Uh, My name is Andy Tempty. This is the Balancing Act podcast. You can find us on all podcast uh, streaming services, uh, as well as now we're we're out on YouTube. Uh, Please like, subscribe, rate, share uh, as you are able, and uh, we will see you next time.